sit right the fuck there and you watch the movie and shut your mouth. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before, I am your host, Adam Portress, and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Smith. Hey, everybody. We're back. Back. We're back. Maybe a little late, but let me tell you something, kids. As always, if we skip something, by God, you were going to get more than you fucking bargained for. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because we're going to drop you two full episodes this week, and I haven't uh-huh. even told Matt this. Um, first of all, I will say this, uh, my interview, uh, episode with Chesney, very popular. People enjoyed it. Good. I got a lot of people telling me that they dug it. Uh, I got another one under my belt, ready to go. Uh, another comedian, uh, friend of mine, and I'll be dropping that this week too. So you're going to get three fucking episodes this week of, Holy of, of, shit. of crazy shit. So we're going to do two episodes, this review, two episodes, two reviews next episode with new releases also other than those by the by. And we're going to give you an interview episode after that. And guess what? Marty has told me that he wants to uh, do an interview episode himself. So guess what? If you want to get on to talk about some motherfucking movies and we need some stuff to kind of, you know, pad things out from time to time, we're going to fucking do that shit. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, there, will be, there will also be changes afoot this year because uh, I've been thinking about possibly adding a second show. Okay. That is just me. And one of my friends. I thought you were going to be like, and it's me and a harmonica, and I'm going to be doing no. uh, songs from the road. No, it's just me and one of my buddies uh, watching a selection from the Criterion Collection mm-hmm. on Hulu. And then just having a chat about it for like 20, 30 minutes. Okay, why not? So, so I think what we're saying is the film find is going to go big this year. Hardcore up in your faces, kids. Let me tell you, we ain't stopping. Uh, and and uh, it'll hopefully keep rolling. So tell your friends to listen. Uh, get get back behind all these interview episodes Adam's going to do. The I, I have to say they're very good. I'm not on them. It's very good stuff. It's fun times. Uh, so you know you get to learn about other people, and I'm excited to have Marty on because I want to talk about he's he's a little older. I mean I don't mm-hmm. mean that in a bad way, but he's a little bit older, and I I, I think I'm gonna. And, you know, I, I just want to talk about also kind of movie culture uh, overseas because I don't really know. I, I don't really know what that was like, you know, at, at that time and how that, if if, if and that differs at all uh, as we have right now versus here in the States. So I'm, I'm interested to hear about that and some other kind of shit. So uh, stay aboard for all that stuff. But on this week's episode, let's talk about what we've got going this oh, week. Oh, holy shit. Holy cow. We got a lot of stuff. Holy First cow. of all, we got, your, we got your traditional what you've been watching kind of stuff, of which we'll yeah. be talking about other new releases as well. Uh-huh. So, uh, Both episodes, new releases, yeah. and what you've been watching. So, a lot of shit coming down the pipe here for you kids. Uh, so we'll be talking about those. And uh, the two releases that we're going to be doing on this episode are going to be Daddy's Home, the new uh, movie from Will Ferrell and Marky Mark, um, uh, which I don't, I don't know what it made at the box office. I think it did okay. It was uh, number two this weekend, I think. Oh, see, that's not bad for two weeks right there. That's, that's, yeah, that's pretty good sauce. I mean, when you're up against motherfucking Star Wars, you know, I mean, it's tough to... 
It's motherfucking Star Wars. <laughs> Star, Star Wars, as of today, because it's now uh, Wednesday, mm-hmm. has officially beaten the domestic record for Avatar. Suck it, Avatar. Suck it long and suck it hard. <laughs> you, I'm so excited for that. That is just that that puts a little joy in my heart right there, and I can't wait till it beats it on on opening uh, for for worldwide. Because when it drops in China, uh, I, I look. I, China is known for just devouring stuff. Yes, and um, I think they're going to devour some Star Wars. So when that hits China this weekend, uh, watch out because uh, Avatar—they're coming for the number. They're 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 gunning for that number one spot, and they're going to do it pretty fucking quick. I mean, they beat the domestic thing in like fucking three weeks. Where versus days versus Avatar's thirty-six fucking week run. So uh, yeah, fucking Star Wars is here to stay, son. Uh, Disney is just like they're they're rolling around in literally their Scrooge McDuck style fucking <laughs> vault, just diving in shit and uh, you know. I want to visit. I do too. I would just like at least for a quick dip in the in the money pit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just kind of a just a, just a little swan dive off. You get to have a little bit on you, maybe a piece or two falls. There was in your also pocket. big. Big Star Wars uh, news this week uh, for fans who have been buying up some of the merchandise. I, I don't know if you've kept up with this story, Adam, but I don't know uh, what I have. a lot of a uh, lot of fans have been upset that Ray was not included as a figure in the Monopoly game. I saw the headline. Okay, uh, yet you know people who are not even in this movie, like say Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker. I mean, right. he's in the movie, but, you know, he's in there for four yeah, fucking exactly. seconds. But he's dressed in, in the uh, Return of the Jedi garb. Right. Well, uh, at, this afternoon, uh, the uh, who the fuck makes... I want to say ha- Milton Bradley. Milton Bradley? That sounds I right I want to say Milton Bradley. Whatever game company. Milton Bradley uh, said that um, in the future, i.e., like, I guess this next wave that they're going to release... They will include a Ray figure, as well. They should, but I mean, I I I did like their kind of like, hey, if 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 there's anything to go through now, granted, it's a bullshit excuse, but it's the best bullshit excuse that they could have conjured up of like, hey, man, we just didn't want to give stuff away because we yeah. didn't want to let you know that she was one of the main stars of it. It's like it's a it's a horrible bullshit excuse, but it's the best bullshit excuse they could have come up with. I I mean. Yeah, I guess. It, it's, look, if it you're going to no give a sense because we had seen Ray since <laughs> teaser number one. No, this is true. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's a good and excuse. They include Finn, <laughs> like fucking Finn's it. Like that. Okay, that could be okay if it was just all old people. Yeah. But, but when you've got you've got everyone except for her. I just I feel that my my guess is my gut feels is that is it's just such a stupid like. They did like an informal poll amongst dumb old people that run fucking board oh, no. companies. It is it is literally uh, it's the same shit that Disney runs into all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what I teach in my fucking industries class, right? Disney feels like they have a girls merchandise market on lock, which mm-hmm. you know they surely in, fucking do. In many cases, but, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that mindset frequently leaves them open to criticism. When, for example, uh, you release an action figure of, say, Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. where the Hella, uh, Hell, the uh, what the f- hover jet drops. You had it. Yeah. Well, it's the jet, right? The small one that drops the motorcycle out. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Um, that's Black Widow's scene in the movie, right? Yeah. Who's on the Who's on the motorcycle in the toy? Probably Cap. Cap, right? <laughs> and it's like 
why the fuck does that like why why not just put black widow on there she's not literally not a single other fucking toy and here's the thing too at the same time if if, if and then you did not care for black widow that would make them buy another fucking figure to put on the goddamn bike yes (laughs) i mean it almost is smarter to put her on there so it makes them buy another fucking figure but then also like are there actually that many fucking people at this point in the avengers fandom who don't give a single shit about black widow i mean i'm sure there are a few but are they the people who buy toys probably not and if they aren't and even if they are how many of them are there (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) that's that much is true and so like disney just continually finds itself in these licensing situations where it's like nope Marvel and Star Wars, that's the boy stuff that we bought those because, and this is literally true, right? Like back in 2004 and 2005, they had an analysis done by an independent company that said that they were extremely weak in preteen boys as fans of any of their products. And it's, you know, well, of fucking course, all you've done is like make fucking Disney princess merchandise. And anytime you've done anything for uh, male audiences like targeted, right, it has been Pixar stuff, which you still don't actually produce that much merch for. Yeah. And then so they go, OK, well, we'll buy Marvel. We'll buy uh, Star Wars out and uh, market those to boys. But then they it, it's just dumb. It's yeah. just dumb. So anyway, uh, I think I think you can. Uh, but feel again, safe Matt, money pit. The, it doesn't matter how many you, mistakes you have when well, you have a money pit. It's okay. That's, that's <laughs> what I was about to. That's what I was about to lead into. So uh, you know what that means, though, is like these current non-ray monopoly boards going to be collectors' items one day. Mm, already got like so, a Star Wars monopoly so, from fucking. So run out and buy it, guys. It's going to be rayless. First and- of all. Genius move. Now you've got a genius goddamn move. No. Oh, my God. Maybe this is the most... Maybe you're wrong. Maybe this is not the worst marketing ever. Maybe it's the best marketing ever. They're going to go out, they're going to buy these other fucking things, and then they're going to buy the Ray one, and then everybody... And then Disney goes home in a Cadillac, as the saying goes. Fucking what? (laughs) I, I would say... That that's viable, except I really don't believe anyone at Disney is that smart. No, probably not. <laughs> probably really not. But if they I mean, were that, if I mean, they were if that wise, that's a genius your fucking answer move. Answer to you have problems attracting boys to your product is not well. Let's produce some products for boys, but let's buy things that are already built in with male audiences that we perceive as being male audiences. Probably not the most creative thought processes going on in that company. <laughs> I don't know. As to, as to marketing and money making. This has been your marketing moment with Adam and uh, <laughs> All right. Let's get into what you've been watching. What do you got on the table? Man, I've got two big things. Uh, first up, I've talked about it a couple times. I've been pimping it out on this show, and it recently ended. And uh, it's fucking amazing all the way to the end. Scream Queens. Mm. Holy shit. Uh, the season finale was uh, really well handled it made what might be my favorite uh metaphor for sorority and frat culture in the world by having uh you know this is a spoiler but not a huge one uh because i think you can see how this gets made anyway 
in the finale, the three Chanel's who are uh, just awful people and in charge of the sorority in the first place, um, get condemned to an asylum and love it because they just get to have all the power and treat everybody like shit. And it's still exactly like their sorority life wanted to be. So, uh, scream Queens ends on a big bang. I really hope it gets renewed for another season, uh, because, uh, apparently they're going to go to summer camp. <laughs> Ooh. Mm hmm. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, now, the big one. Mm-hmm. I went just the other night to finally watch Point Break. I've yet to hit out to get this one because I've been super busy with other stuff, but uh, I have not heard good things at all. <laughs> I, I, in fact, think that I sent you some of those not good things. Mm. And I'm just going to read directly from that. Uh, I posted it actually online. Um, but uh, here, here's what it is. It's terrible, and it's a fun movie to trash. It's a last-minute savior for my worst movie of the year. I would watch Black Hat, Paul Blart 2, and Mordecai all in a row again, rather than that shitty fucking movie one more time. Guys, I, here's the thing. By and large, Matt, I don't think people understand the gravity of of that statement because those three are some of the worst films we have seen this year. And I don't even, and, and, and I, uh-huh. I, I mean, I'll take black off of that too because I kind of like black hat. I mean, I don't hate, I don't hate it like you do, but I don't, you know, I mean, maybe I don't love it, love it, but I don't hate it, hate it like you, you do. But Mordecai and fucking Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, if you would watch either one of those as a singular movie before this one, that's bad. If you watch both and Black Hat, which you hate, before that, that is a fucking astoundingly bad. Wow. It is It is unbelievably bad, actually. Hmm. Uh, it's Everything is wrong with it. Everything. <laughs> like, it's... It's an action film whose action scenes are incompetently shot and staged. It's a movie that is so poorly written that you long for the days of non-point break Keanu movies. (laughs) Now, let me ask you this. Uh Outside of the, obviously, the title and a couple characters' names, as is my understanding, doesn't really have much. And one's a cop and one's a criminal. They it doesn't really have much other in common with the original. Uh, yeah. So here's here's the vibe that I got from this thing. Um, I'm a big Point Break fan. I love that movie. I think it's uh, like one of the best Hollywood movies ever made. Right? Like I know it's product, but it's fucking amazing. And this movie feels like someone took the like criminal element structure of that and the kind of plot machinations and had to retrofit that into an already existing script that was mostly just about a bunch of bros uh, kind of achieving spiritual awakening through extreme sports. Like, I guarantee that's what happened, right? Like, 
if you watch this thing, uh, there's so little actual personal friction between any of the characters that it seems like the script was originally conceived as a group of people who uh, love and have their lives changed while out uh, achieving the impossible and living in the wilderness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the only way that script was going to get made was if they uh, if they also made it about like eco-terrorism and the FBI. And here's another fucking thing. Um, the FBI does not operate outside of the United States. No, it's outside of some like, and, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and, uh, and here, uh, they are basically the CIA. So <laughs> that what, also, cop, son? So, so not only, uh, not only is, is, is it nonsense on, every level but it gets basic shit incorrect (laughs) like there is no way that an fbi agent regardless of whose interests the corporations being fucked over by these eco-terrorists uh were in here it's like explained because they're largely american corporations right or or they're multinational american-based corporations but that's still shit that the fbi doesn't actually handle internationally like the fbi doesn't go around to other countries and track those people down other people do that other organizations um it's also just incredibly poorly acted so uh right like one of the leads edgar ramirez who's playing Bodie, uh is maybe the best actor in the movie he, he gives uh he and Teresa Palmer give each other a run for their money, but Teresa Palmer kind of, I think like started out her career, um, with some okay things. She was in, uh, like warm bodies and that sort of shit. Right. Mm -hmm. So she's had some good stuff, but, uh, you know, kind of making the paces and like, I've got shitty roles in big budget movies and, uh, kind of okay roles in smaller things like like any young actor or actress would have to put put themselves through for a while to break big um but i think it's at a point now that where like maybe she should fire her agent <laughs> because this movie's not going to do her any fa- favors but uh, my point about edgar ramirez right is like he's pretty good in here except like he has a this ridiculous script no one in the cast has any imagery um, Luke Bracey is fucking atrocious. Like people want to talk about how Keanu Reeves is wooden and can't do this or can't do that. Or, um, how like Patrick Swayze is like a weird choice to play that kind of role or what yeah. go back to point break, the Catherine Bigelow film from the nineties and watch that movie and then come and watch this movie and you will see the dearth of acting talent that this film has in comparison. You know, you want to, you want to hear my impression of uh, point break? Yeah, sure. F B I. Uh-huh. That's a, that's the entire Bracey's movie. That's the entire movie encapsulated into one in, in well, three letters. Bracey's worse than that. Wow. Uh, I, like, I can't even get over the, it, this, this movie is so atrociously made that it, it wastes Ray Winstone. Like, Ray Winstone is an actor who can make gold out of actual shit. And Why do yet, I feel Delroy Lindo's in this movie? Is he? Oh, yeah. 
Okay, okay, good. Maybe I was, I was just like, did I see that? Was Wait, I thinking he was in he's this? He's not as major as anybody else. He is there, but like I feel like compared to the rest of the cast, he does he like he gets off easy. <laughs> well, yeah, all he's got to do is like, I mean, he's cuz he's a, he's a menacing kind of guy. He's a big dude. Looks like he like very authoritative figure kind of guy. So Well, and all he does is play like Bracey's uh he plays Utah's uh boss at the FBI, right? Um so how how close is everybody always from losing their badge? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Utah never actually has a badge, so that's how close. Oh, he is. that's good. That's good. Um, an FBI yeah, agent that's not really an agent. That's that's good, good move. Right. Good move. Well, he's given a provisional badge because he he knows so much. Is as it like a, a sew on patch? <laughs> as a former extreme sports, uh, so the the twist here is that Utah at one point was this famous. Uh, Polyathlete, which is a word they like to throw around in this movie, um, which which King means Griffey he, Jr. Which means he's good at like rock climbing and uh, dirt biking and shit, right? Bo Jackson, polyathlete, polyathlete, um, and uh, Deion Sanders, polyathlete. He goes through this tragedy, not entirely unlike the opening of Cliffhanger, uh, where he loses someone close to him. And go. He retires from polyathletism, athleticism, as one does. And uh, does he get a gold watch? <laughs> and decides I'm going to go into the FBI, as one and, does. And in spite of, as is pointed out in the opening scene between him and Delroy Lindo, in spite of his stellar performance at the Academy and his uh, like really like really good skills as an agent, uh, as a potential agent. <laughs> he, Delroy Lindo doesn't understand why he wants to be in the FBI, so he's not ready to give him his badge. And so he's just You're not, one of the best students we've ever had, but I don't feel like you really there's a good reason you want this, so no. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> I gotta feel I also, the attention behind it. Otherwise, I no. To say that this movie has the most obvious facial replacement CG. I've ever seen. I don't know. We did see Jupiter Ascending last year. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm telling you, you're going to go see this, right? Like you've. Yeah, you've I think I'm going to try, gonna try to. I'm going to try to swing it in because I, I got I, I feel I need to it's fill bad out a bottom enough, half. You need to see it, um, <laughs> because you have to see it to believe what I'm about to tell you. There is a scene. The climax is them like climbing uh, this really tall waterfall. Free form with no ropes, no nothing, right? Uh-huh. Not uh, not entirely unlike Tom Cruise in like Mission Impossible. Which three fourths of that fucking shit he did himself, goddamn. Yeah. So they're climbing this thing, right? And the bodies look okay; they're similar. But every time you get a shot from like a medium distance away from the side of uh, Utah. His head looks like a fucking bobblehead, <laughs> like the uh, the fucking jib jab cartoons. <laughs> yes, <laughs> except like like beautifully rendered CG bullshit. It's like like a big head mode in NBA Jam, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. 
Uh, this movie's fucking terrible. I could probably do a whole episode on this movie, but let's not do that huh. and get to what you've been watching, sir. Don't go fucking watch Point Break, guys. Adam, you go watch it so we can talk more about it later and bore them with it. <laughs> I'm uh, interested. I everybody will... else, stay far away. Wait, wait until you're like at home with a bunch of Totino's uh, pizza rolls or, or party pizzas and uh, like stoned or something yeah. with buddies. Uh, this movie is the room bad. But uh, with, without the benefit of, uh, uh, like, anything enjoyable. Ooh, snap. <laughs> so it's a base, it is an excuse for uh, a bunch of uh, extreme athlete douche bros to walk around with their fucking tribal tattoos. Nice. That's, that's what's going on in this movie. Nice. I need some of that action in my life. Uh, anyway, Adam... <laughs> All right. So um, I headed down to my parents yesterday because like I my my dad got a 4K TV just recently. Right. And uh-huh. he had a Blu-ray player and everything, but it was one of the all in one kind of units. So he he bought a he bought a, a, a separate Blu-ray player that would be able to upgrade to 4K. And a uh, but but needed a real receiver. Didn't really have a real receiver because it was a built all in one thing. So I like I I bought the I bought a, him a receiver off Amazon, delivered it down to the house, and set it up for him yesterday. And before I left, they were just like we were kind of sitting down eating dinner and whatever. And they were like, "Hey, we uh, we DVR'd uh, this uh, that new show on NBC Superstore." And I was like, "Let's watch it." And I was just like, "I, I don't really fucking." whatever and they're like all right we'll just watch it we got it you can fast forward through all the commercials and stuff I'm like all right fine whatever i'm eating some barbecue let's fucking watch this shit uh so it's a new show with america ferrara and a couple other people i don't i mean a couple other people you recognize but may not know their names because i certainly don't off the top of my head um but i gotta say while i was expecting the lowest i the one episode i saw which i think was like probably episode two it was okay and enough laughs okay. in it. It's enough to make me kind of go and see, uh, check it out on Hulu. So, uh, you know, it looks like it has a little bit of promise. But it's obviously like, you know, kind of a, a store that's clearly fucking Walmart. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my dad had, uh, my dad worked at Walmart for like 10 years. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I'd like, I worked at Walmart for like maybe eight months, maybe or something. So, you know, I mean, I've kind of seen some behind the scenes stuff and, uh, I gotta say a lot of it is, um, as far as like, from like an art perspective of how everything's put together, it doesn't look like it's cheap. It looks like, it looks like real fucking retail does, which I thought was kind of amazing because most of these things look fake as shit, you know? But like right. the break room behind the scenes and stuff, I'll like, you know, like just fucking pegboards with like, you know, all the like disability and all that kind of fucking horse shit on there. All that's up there. And it looks, you know, it, art direction wise, it's done really, really well. But it's but it's funny. You got enough different characters. Uh, Mark McKinney's in it. Um, it's fun. And then I'll, I'll be honest, I was surprised that I enjoyed it. And I'll probably seek out a couple more episodes of it just to, you know, it's an NBC comedy. It was like, what the fuck do you want? Right. Right, uh, but I'd recommend that enough. As of as of one episode, I can say I, I'll, I'll recommend that enough. But I'll, I'll give it a try more, and I'll talk about it when I see it again later. What? Um, the other big thing that I saw, uh, the the new release that I'll talk about is I got to see uh, uh, Tom Hooper's uh, new movie, uh, The Danish Girl. Uh, now I'm not big on Hooper. I I, re- uh, I really haven't been. I mean, uh, the last year with um, the Theory of Everything. Um, I, I thought it was an okay movie. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't the amazing thing. I, I don't think uh, Eddie Redmayne should have won the Oscar for uh, Best Actor. He did well in it. 
uh, but that's not the one that he would uh, deserve, I don't think. I, I mean, you can fucking tell on his face he didn't he didn't fucking believe. You know, they're they're actors that go up there that go, oh my god, I can't believe it. You like me, you really like me, kind of fucking shit. And you know that you know that ain't some that ain't fucking genuine. But the look on his face when he got that fucking Oscar was just like, I really can't. I thought this was going to fucking Keaton, as pretty much fucking everybody did. But I think it split right. the boat enough. Um. So I didn't much care for, like, I, that wasn't super crazy about that. The King's Speech, I thought, was a good movie. But again, that was another one that he got best fucking director for, which I totally, anybody could have shot fucking The King's Speech. That was an actor's movie, not a director's movie. So I was really fucking puzzled by that. And what I should, what I, and I loved Les Mis when he put that out. I think he should have won for that fucking movie, not The King's Speech, because his direction and everything, Les Mis was fucking great. So yeah, people I, hate that movie. I don't know why. It's fucking amazingly good. And uh, I don't know. They're fucking. They suck. I'm just. People suck. I right? don't. I don't know why they hate that. It's great. I mean, like I love it too. I will. I will watch that fucking Anne Hathaway sing that fucking song and cry every goddamn time. It is fucking good. Good shit. Uh, so I, I'll be honest. You know, he had a kind of a losing reputation with me. So going into the Danish Girl, I was not super hype. Um, and I gotta say. Uh, won me over a little bit. I mean, it's not, I, I mean, I don't think it's, it's not amongst the top 10 of the year for me, but for, for what he's been doing, the kind of stuff that he's been putting out, um, I think it, I think it works pretty well. Uh, Red Bane gives a good performance, a little bit understated, which is good. It's right. not, you know, overly crazy. Um, it's not, I thank God. And you, you know me, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad it wasn't as preachy as it could have been, you know? Yeah. That, that seems like a movie that could be very, very preachy about its subject and everything. For those that don't know, it's about the, uh, the first sex change operation uh, ever um, performed. Uh, so it was a new thing. So a guy, you know, uh, is married to a woman played by Alicia Vikander, who was great in this movie. Which, by the way, this is her movie. It's really not his. It's hers. Right. And uh, she does fantastically well in it. Um but it's it's about him just kind of all of a sudden just realizing like hey maybe you know it's like he first has these feels like maybe this is different I feel odd maybe I maybe I'm a woman stuck in a man's body and so it turns out it's just like hey this is who I feel that I was you know born to be and we're going to you know go through this procedure and everything and it's her, her coming to grips with the fact that her husband believes you know that like this this he's been kind of living a lie and all this other kind of stuff and uh, but it's good. It's it's good. It doesn't it doesn't feel doesn't feel doesn't feel heavy feel heavy like it's I mean, it doesn't feel like it's bashing you with any kind of a message at all, which I hate. I'm like give me a message movie. Message movies are just perfectly fine. I enjoy them. But don't fucking beat me in the face with it. Don't be crash, all right? Give me a movie about racism but don't tell me like it's a goddamn after school special. And this isn't that at all. It's it's done really really well. Um great great acting. Decent um Decent direction overall. Um, I kind of wish they would have gone further in some places. And, you know, because the, I mean, this is going to sound bad, and I'm sure it does. But there was, like, the surgeries, there's no, there's nothing involved. You see nothing. Not that I want to, like, see stuff, per se. But it Uh just feels like, you know, fade down, fade back up, you're in a recovery bed kind of thing. And it's like the most that you see is like put on a little mask, go to sleep, fade down, fade up kind of thing. I mean, just to see, I, I want if nothing else, I want to see the anguish on the doctor's face because this is the first time that this had ever been accomplished. And so I, from a medical standpoint, it's, it's, it, it was very interesting and where 
and I felt that it could have talked a little bit more about the and what is ringing? Uh, my phone is ringing. I don't. I, I, what the hell? I'm calling you. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like we're on. We're talking right here, right now, motherfucker. <laughs> Thanks, ma. All right. Um, let me put this on. It wasn't. Oh, that's why because it's uh because she's in the contacts and when you do it in the contacts thing. All right, I'm putting that a fucking side. Um, what the fuck was I talking about? Um, yeah, it's good. It's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Um. All the the most of the nudity is from women, which I enjoy being a straight man. But <laughs> but it's good. It's good overall. Um, I was I was really honest to God. I was shocked at how much I I actually liked it. Maybe not top ten of the year, but uh, certainly one of the better movies this year. That's for sure. All right. And coming from somebody who hates who hates most of his work, that's that's that's, that's some fine upstanding stuff. And I think I maybe went in, probably went in with the lowest of expectations. But anyways. Uh, so that's uh, the Danish girl uh, that is out right now. Let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, we're gonna start out with uh, we're gonna we're gonna end up with Hateful Eight today, but we're gonna start out with uh, Daddy's Home, the new movie from uh, Mark Wahlberg and uh, and and the other little guy. He's been in a couple things. His name's Will Ferrell. I don't know if you heard of him or not. Independent actor. All right, here's the uh, trailer. So today's the day I'm finally meeting the father of my stepkids. Am I nervous? Peppa, you know kids. They know who's been there. Oh. <laughs> That's not him. Hey, you dusty? Nope. What? Are you sure? Where have you been? My ex-husband's here. What's he doing inside there? He's giving the kids all kinds of starbursts. Damn it. Sorry. Whew. I'm a hot habanero pepper right now. Hey, want some more starbursts? So you are dusty. I'll bring it in, big guns. I already met you. At the airport. No, I don't recall that, friend. Did you see Dad's motorcycle? You ride? Yeah. Really? <laughs> I don't know if that's a good idea, Brad. Hey, look, she's a lot of bike, man. Why don't you go back in and take that shower so you can get her shirt on? Did Brad just die? Well, I think we all need to prepare ourselves for that possibility, Pumpkin, okay? If this guy was my wife's ex, I'd put a bullet in my skull. So the king raised his mighty sword, and he rained steel down upon the step king. But the step king blocked it with his shield. Step king was very upset because when the real king pulled out his sword, it was long and shiny. All the maidens in the land preferred the more average size step king's sword because it knew how to listen. No. Looks like we got ourselves a good old fashioned dad off. You can eat my dust, Dusty. Whiskey's already? It's not. It's the middle of April. What's this? Playoff tickets against the Los Angeles Lakers? I'm bad. Brad, you're the coolest. Dustin Mayron. Hey, hey, this is my family. Well, come on down. You guys can sit with the team. You hear that? You want to meet Kobe? Can I get five beers? This one's for Dylan and Megan and Sarah and Dylan. But nothing but that. Dylan and Megan, this is for you. Okay, who's got next? I do. <laughs> Honey, no. Come down. Yeah, that's good advice. Godspeed. Did you just punch me in the face, Brad? Oh, yes. 
All right, that was a trailer for Daddy's Home, our first new release review of this week, IMDb Plotline. As we know, IMDb always 100% correct in everything they say and or do. Stepdad Brett Whitaker is a radio host trying to get his stepchildren to love him and call him dad, but his plans turn upside down when the biological father, father Dusty uh, Mayron, returns. This is directed by uh, Sean Anders. Starring Will Ferrell, Marky Mock, uh, Linda Cardellini. Hello, Linda Cardellini. Uh, <laughs> Thomas Hayden Church, um, uh, Hannibal Burris, Bill Burr's in it, a handful of others. Um, this is a, a PG-13 kind of um, mm-hmm. almost family-ish film uh, from the guy who brought us um, We Are the Millers. Did you get a chance to see that? No, not yet. It's fair. It's fair enough. It's not great, but it's fair. And I, I'd put this in kind of the same uh, same category, if you will. Uh, he did this, and he did um, Sex Drive, which I didn't think was really very good. And he did the first Hot Tub Time Machine, which I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Like that one. Um, isn't he isn't he up for something this year, too? He's got a big one. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. Um, no, not that I can tell. Okay, fair enough. Unless he wrote something, because he, he writes a lot of shit, too. But he did Horrible Bosses, too, last year, so... Uh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. And he did That's My Boy, which I thought was fucking underrated. Now, I didn't see the final theatrical cut, but I liked it. Yeah, I, I liked it, too. I thought that one was underrated. And, and uh, I'll, I'll put this I'll put this on par with with that movie and those kind of things. I mean, this it's a PG-13 comedy starring two guys that you know uh, who were great in The Other Guys. Uh-huh. Um, I wouldn't say this is as good as The Other Guys, but this is a fairly serviceable film. I, 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 I had fun with what it tried to do, and, you know, it was good. Maybe yeah, not amazing, I mean, but... It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's got some really good jokes. Um, there are enough laughs kind of scattered throughout it that, uh, like big laughs that, um, I, I didn't hate it. I saw with a big audience, it's been number two at the box office, I think for two weeks in a row now. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's uh, pretty damn good in the, in the Lando Star Wars. And, uh, you know, um, people seem to really enjoy it. Uh, it's not the greatest thing ever. But uh, we've seen some abysmal comedies this year. Sweet Lord, and, have we ever. Uh, and uh, this one is pretty decent. I'd say if you're into comedy, if you're a fan of the, both of these guys, if you liked the other guys and kind of want to see another movie with them, this movie is probably a solid bet for uh, theater money unless you just want to keep going to see Star Wars or uh, Hateful Eight or something else uh, over and over and over again. Um, otherwise, I, I like... I don't know. I enjoy the chemistry between these two guys. They play off of other uh, each other very well, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I liked it. Uh, it's it's got a really low rating online. This is a this is a thing pe- people do not like this movie. Uh, critics don't like it. Well, there's uh, I mean, there's no surprise. See, I tell you what. I mean, I am getting more and more goddamn tired of fucking critics and being up their critics. own goddamn asses so fucking much. That is just like, Jesus Christ, have you ever had fun in your entire fucking life? It is like if they went to, if they went to see this and they enjoyed it, it's like it took away fucking like, you know, like a fucking pen on their chest. That's, you know, like one of their goddamn fucking war medals or some shit for having to see, you know, a movie about like, you know, a retarded baseball player or some fucking shit. I don't know. It's just it's silly. Yeah. Just grow the fuck up, people. I mean, it's just like, look, I I didn't go into this movie thinking that this was going to be the biggest, you know, fucking whatever. It's like, it's a PG-13 Will Ferrell in in Mark Wahlberg comedy. It's it's what I expected out of it. It's what I got. I had enough laughs Uh in it. And, you know, I I went home satisfied with what I saw. That was it. 
That's yeah. all it is. It is not sit there meant to like fucking set the world on fire. You have to. I think you need to. These people. Well, it's, need to it's fucking also learn to counter judge programming, movies. right? So, yeah. so Christmas Day saw a lot of shit coming out that was not family oriented, mm-hmm. and this was one the family could go to. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, most of them still went to see Star Wars, but for that weekend, uh, this this was the programming alternative, right? What was the other one that fucking people just like didn't fucking were people down on sisters? I forget. Uh, somewhat, although not not entirely, not as bad. Not like uh, this one. I can glance at it. No, real it's quick. it's sixty. It's sixty sixty four. So sixty for critics, sixty four. Okay, so that it had better. I was oh, there's another one. We'll we'll talk about that shit. We'll talk about that shit next week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, there's not a lot to say about it. I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, I like how. I, I like Will Ferrell working at a very unconventional job <laughs> as a uh, a guy who does. I, I, what exactly does he do for the radio station? He's like a programming executive of some shit, right? So, some shit that works at like just a smooth jazz. Smooth uh, jazz. <laughs> they're the, the number three smooth jazz. Day. I love how they're not even number one. They're number three, and he's super fucking stoked about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and Marky Mark is that kind of bad boy who may or may not have like done eight billion goddamn things. And you don't like. I, I love how they don't really go into any of that stuff. They're just kind of like, oh, he like he knows like you know Kobe Bryant's manager. He's like he may or may not have been in some sort of weird armed forces sort of thing. <laughs> you know, there's it's right. like his entire mystery, and it's always just kind of like, yeah, I know this kind of thing. And he's he's an overachiever, but at the end of the day, he is he's kind of he's a scummy dad. He just kind of left his two kids out, you know, kind of in the breeze here and everything. And uh, has come back and kind of wants to get into their lives and everything. And Will Ferrell's just like, look, it took me this long to, you know, practically become their dad. These kids are finally starting to warm up to him. And then biological dad comes back and really starts trying to fucking wreak havoc and stuff and take back his family. But, you know, is he really suited to take back the family and stuff? And will these guys get along? Will they not? Blah, blah, blah. But it's fun. It's, you know, it is what it is. Oh, yeah. All right, so that's that's that that's that. Like I said, I, I knew that one would be fairly short and sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not much to it. Uh, it's pretty standard comedy territory. Um, I thought the kids were fun. Linda Cardellini, I wish had more to do. Yeah, I wish she had a little bit more to do because I always like her and stuff. And I will say, the kids were uh, they they weren't insufferable. You didn't hate those kids. Yeah, they were fun. Yeah, you know, they were cute kids. They did what they did, and uh, that was good. Yeah. So, and, and I did like and it is very much a kind of thought on being kind of a modern parent a lot of ways with the school and all this other kind of horse shit that's going mm-hmm. in there and stuff like that. I did like how that was very much kind of put in there and like they didn't kind of I, I like how that's pointed out because I don't think it's pointed out enough about how like a lot of the bullshit the parents have to do. <laughs> it's just like, hey, yes. stay, in the, stay in the cones and like fucking eight billion goddamn things after school and how you have to volunteer for all this crap. And it's just like so much, you know, our parents never did any of that shit, did they? I know mine didn't. Uh, I think my I mean, my, my, my mom did some stuff for band. That's about it. Man. Yeah, yeah. My parents did a little some bit. Stuff. Yeah, they, like they did a little something for band for my brother. I think like you know, they they like did Boy Scouts for like two months, and then they were like, ah, all right, this is enough of that. Yeah, <laughs> it was like move on. Um. So yeah, but none of this fucking snack day and that. Oh shit. Oh my god. Snack day, uh, daddy daughter dances, and all that fucking shit. Anyways, yeah. all right, so let's get on to the main event, everybody. Here is the trailer for uh, The Hateful Eight. If I can find where that fucking cursor's at. There it is. Ooh. And what make a man brave a blizzard 
kill in cold blood? I'm sure I don't know. You'd be surprised what a man would do. <laughs> you starting to see pictures, ain't you? Got room for one more? I ain't too anxious to be handing out rides. Real trusting fella, huh? Not so much. Ain't no way I'm spending a couple of nights under a roof with somebody I don't know who they are. So who are you? Okay, everybody, hear this. I'm taking this woman to hang. Rewards $10,000. That money's mine, boys. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Hold on! You think I'm in cahoots with that fella or her? That's my problem, boy. I don't know. One of them fellas will kill everybody in here. Now we're talking! Let's slow it down. Let's slow it way down. Get to hell. Tell him Daisy sent you. Go, go. You don't die now. No one said this job's supposed to be easy. <laughs> Nobody said it's supposed to be that hard, neither. That was the trailer for the Hateful Eight, our second new release review of uh, this week and of this episode, really. <laughs> so uh, here is the IND plot line. In the dead of Wyoming winter, a bounty hunter and his prisoner find shelter in a cabin currently inhabited by a collection of nefarious characters. This is written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring Samuel L. Jackson, Kurt Russell, Jennifer Jason Lee, Walton Goggins, Damian Bashir, Tim Roth, uh, Michael Madsen, Bruce Dern, uh, James Parks, a handful of others. Um... So uh, this was the this is the big deal. This was uh, brought out in uh, seventy millimeter in uh, limited uh, markets, about a hundred about a hundred theaters here in the U.S. Right. And um, but it was the full roadshow thing. You had an overture, you had a intermission, and everything like that. It was in seventy a booklet. A booklet. You got like a little uh, you know program and everything with you as uh-huh. well. And uh, so a big, big brouhaha was made of this. And of course, then you know right after uh, Christmas, then uh, gets. Um, released wide in uh, DCP. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, I, I, I'll say this uh, right off the bat. I've seen this movie twice now. I'm going again um, uh, tomorrow to see it in 70 millimeter. Yeah. Before going to see it, because uh, it, it's it's only through tomorrow, Thursday. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm going to go see the DCP because there are changes Yes. Mate. Now, some of them I, I I have heard that they are. There's at least I mean, because like one thing that I was that I was wondering because when the intermission happens, this is no spoiler because you know whatever. But when mm-hmm. the intermission happens, you come back and there's some voiceover stuff. Right. That is in the DCP version, as is my understanding. Yeah. What exactly they cut out? Like I haven't seen that yet, but I was listening to my, my friends on outside the cinema. They both saw it and they saw it in um in DCP. 
uh-huh. uh, but I, I've, I've yet to do that. But we will report on that uh, coming fairly soon because, you know, I want to see the difference. Yes. I want to know what they are because it's like there's at least six minutes of a difference. And I want to see what uh, if it helps, bi- if it hurts. The biggest thing that I've heard, and, and we can talk about this as well uh, when we finally see the DCP. But so this this movie is shot 70 millimeter. Mm hmm. Ultra Panavision. Ultra, ultra Panavision 70 mil. So even uh, wider than your normal. So so just for folks that don't, you know, fucking know. Um, so, and I, I haven't read that full article that you link yet, but I'm very fascinated. Um, so normally, like in the biggest theaters that you go to now, they'll see the widest screen aspect ratio. For example, when you watch it on home on your widescreen TV, there's a black bar on top, bo- top and bottom. That's a 2.35 movie. Right. Right. And so, you know, you'll go to some theaters and that will be, be the full aspect ratio. You'll see it wide there. This is even wider than that shit. So, right. you, you know, even if you see it on the widest screen that's available in the majority of theaters out there, you're still going to see some black bar on top and bottom. That's how fucking wide this thing is. Just to give, you know, those a point of reference. Yeah. They, I mean, the last movie made uh, in this format was 1966. And uh, they literally just haven't made screens that wide since then. So new theaters just don't make screens that wide. This is the Ultra Panavision 70 mil was the widest screen format uh, outside of the uh, like triple screen widescreen processes, mm-hmm. a few of which existed in the 50s and 60s. And uh, that was literally like... They like would your set How the three, West is one kind of thing. Yeah, they would set up three separate projectors that were projecting three separate images onto three concave screens so Crazy. that it looked like it was all one image, but they were all interlocked, right? Wow. Um, so this was the widest, uh, except for that format. Yeah. Um, and uh, I have to say what what... what what I've heard is the biggest change is so they shot this wide format and uh, kind of counterintuitively, it's mostly interior. Mm-hmm. Uh, this film is mostly inside of a single location. It goes outside and it looks gorgeous, of course, outside um, with, with amazing uh, uh, cinematography from Robert Richardson. Um, but inside, uh, it's still this ultra wide screen mm-hmm. and it's mostly dialogue. And the, the biggest changes I've heard have been made in the DCP concerning how those dialogue scenes play out. Because, of course, one of the benefits of shooting interior, and there's a fascinating article actually uh, in uh, American Cinematographer this month um, with uh, comments from both Richardson and uh, Tarantino about how they approached shooting interiors and why they thought the format might look really interesting for shooting these dialogue scenes is uh, you see these things play out in really long takes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, uh, that's one of the benefits is like you can think about that interior uh, and, and almost see three quarters of the room while, <laughs> while the scene is going on, right? So that's a lot of background going on. And when people are talking, you don't have to cut constantly to and from them because they're already within the frame. Mm-hmm. And so I've heard that... Uh, and, and it's kind of commented on in the cinematographer article that one of the biggest things they had to do when they were converting to DCP is kind of trim around those reaction shots a little bit mm-hmm. because you wouldn't be able to see them on a regular, uh, a regular width screen theatrically and it, and it not be that ultra wide ultra Panavision 70 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really interested to see how that plays out. Um, 
what were your thoughts generally on this movie, though, Adam? I mean, you've seen it twice, but uh, mm-hmm. let, let's let's have some have some fair play going about here. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll first preface this by saying I, I'm a, I'm a huge Tarantino fan. I will go out on the record and just say that, just so people know. Uh, I know there are tons of people out there that can that are hit. Usually, there's not a ton of people that just hate hate him, right? Uh, but most people, if if they you know have distaste for him, they kind of they may like some of his stuff, but not all of his stuff. Um, and, and I'm a guy who generally likes all of his stuff, even the stuff that people don't really tend to dig all that much. I mean, a lot of people didn't like Death Proof. I enjoyed Death Proof. I mean, I thought you know it was it was what it was supposed to be. You know, mm-hmm. um, and he is a. I mean, I've been heard, I've heard it described as a kind of a DJ of cinema, and I don't I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I really don't. And because this movie is very much, um, and I was telling my brother even before even before we watched it, all I'd seen was one trailer, and I knew kind of the basic conceit of everything. And I'm like, this is the fucking thing. It's the thing. You're in a cold desert wasteland here, and uh, you know there's strangers that are all locked in this thing, and one is, you know, someone is not who they say they are. And you we had to find out this people can't be trusted. Who's doing who? Who's over here? You know, fingers are pointing at everybody. And of course, when you have you know, all nefarious people in one location, then, you know, it's bad. Um, I, I enjoyed the hell out of this thing. I mean, it is what it is. It's a great little mystery um, as to kind of what's going on. You only get to see as much information as you need to be seen or what the, you know, author wants you to see. I've heard people kind of go like, oh, but you you would never figure X, Y, or Z. And it's just like, you're not fucking supposed to. Right, and I, 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 I can't get my head around people that are just like, I need to be able to fucking solve it. No, the fuck you don't. No, yeah. if you're watching uh, uh, sidebar, please. If you're watching a film in an effort to make yourself feel like you're smarter than the film, yeah, <laughs> you're watching movies wrong, mm-hmm. and uh, you should stop that. Like I know. Like just because I've seen so many fucking movies and so many f- movies rely on formula, I can tell you a lot of the time, like beat for beat, what will play out as yeah. we're watching any fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Who gives even a single shit? I don't care if there's a twist that excites me. Then awesome. I'm glad something like is is there. But the pleasure in watching the film is not like being smarter than the movie. You're not smarter than the movie. You're just a dick that can't enjoy the film. Yeah, I'd like it's because like when I see mysteries and stuff like that, I let I'm I'm a wash over me kind of guy. I'm well, and you want to you never trying to, to figure it out. You do want to in your mind. I mean, this is what the draw of the mystery is, right? Is like. Um, you do want to, in your mind, accumulate evidence and figure out a little bit, right? That's part of the pleasure of it. But mm-hmm. you're not going to sit there and like, oh, I need to fucking Sherlock Holmes this motherfucker and be ten steps ahead of yes. where it is, right? Um, you need you need to and, either and go like, oh, I got it, movie, or like, oh, that twisted me. And if you try to do it with this movie, it's uh, it's ju- you're watching this one in particular extremely incorrectly. No, because this this movie is is about the journey that you take to get there, and people are saying that like it's overindulgent, it is overlong. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I would not say that they're wrong, mm-hmm. but you know what? I like that. That's what I expect from this director. Well, it's also what I expect. Uh, the other thing about that complaint is like, like, yeah, but like, didn't we all know this? I mean, we, 
fucking read the script. It was leaked online. Mm -hmm. He did a live read that everybody reviewed as if it were a fucking play. Yeah. Um, they talked then about how the how the screenplay was extremely theatrical and stagey, mm-hmm. of which right? it very much is. And like, I I don't know, like maybe think about something else while you're doing this. If that's not something you're into, that's fine. But like, what else is going on, right? Like, I found it kind of fascinating that like just on an intellectual level of me like thinking about shit that he was shooting this in 70 millimeter and it was mostly inside of a fucking building. Yeah. And here's the thing too. I mean, people now, now I'll get your opinion on this and, and you've read a little bit more uh, about the, in the articles and stuff that I, that I have, I've yet a uh-huh. chance to read. Um, people are really calling him out as this is a Tarantino jacking off uh, move where it's uh-huh. just like, I'm really just saying like, Hey, why am I doing this? Because I fucking can. And because I fucking can, I fucking will. And you're going to fucking love it because I can, and because I tell you that you should. Now, I'm not of that thing. I mean, like, I think there's always a reason why things are going on. And here's the thing. I'll be honest with you. Did it make that much of a difference? I don't know that it made that much of a difference. But I will say this. I think even shooting it on 70 millimeter, let's let's take away the ultra Panavision portion Mm -hmm. let's take that away this movie looks absolutely gorgeous and Mm -hmm. i think and and here's the thing with 70 millimeter there is a a dearth of information that is getting on each one of those 65 millimeter cells they're huge they're fucking Mm -hmm. big and that you can get the that image on there there is a lot of info that comes on there and when you've got multiple oscar winning you know cinematographer robert richardson who has won cinematography rewards for tarantino movies by the way right in in uh, in, in glorious bastards which he should damn sure fucking win one for this one because it is it is the most beautiful looking film this year even despite the fact that most of it is shot fucking indoors there's uh-huh. some great shit that is going on here there's an overhead what i call uh, tarantino's de palma shot that uh-huh. is in this. That is. Is it unnecessary? It's the, Fuck to the, the yes. split diopter, right? There, well, no, 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 no. I'm talking about that's another one. I'm that's gonna, a diploma shot. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm getting to that in a minute. That's my next one. Okay, <laughs> that was my next one. This was my. This is the um, the diploma uh, tracking overhead shot. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I know uh, what you're talking. Is about. Is it necessary? Fuck to the no. It's not. Um, is it fucking cool? You bet your sweet ass it's fucking cool. And yeah, there is, there's a several, there's several split diopter shots that are in this that are very De Palma-esque. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he's, you know, he's gone on record many a fucking time saying, you know, that's huge, huge fucking influence for, for him. And the fact that it's done and it's done in 70 millimeter and shit is pretty fucking spectacular. It looks unbelievably good. And there are some quick fucking po- focus pulls that are astounding astoundingly good when oh, she yeah, they were, when she's they were playing the guitar going back and forth between him it's oh my if if here's the thing <laughs> here's the problem most people have never touched a fucking film camera in their entire lives mm-hmm. i i've done this i we did it in film school i i went to film school in the era with which film was still a thing no one was really shooting i mean we laughed at people that shot digital <laughs> right. um it's tough doing it on a regular 35 millimeter um camera much less having, I mean, being that wide of a frame, I cannot even fucking fathom the amount of light that had to be in that room. And ever, there's just so much work involved in that. What seems like a quick little, whoop, I just kind of tweaked the little thing a little bit. No, it is. There's a lot of goddamn work that goes behind that, and it's done several times within that one take fucking scene. Right. 
and it's done amazingly well. If Robert Richardson does not win a goddamn fucking Oscar for cinematography for this, this will be a fucking disaster because there's no movie that looks better than this movie this year. And I've, I've seen a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, look, the, the cinematography in this thing, like the reason that you shoot 70 millimeter uh, or any, any wide format, right? Like even regular fucking widescreen scope, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is because you want to play around with different framing opportunities, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so one of the things that widescreen and, and particularly these ultra widescreen formats that were developed in the 50s and 60s, one thing that it really does is uh, like open up space. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not just like, yes, uh, you know, exteriors are fucking amazing and gorgeous and you get these vistas, but like that room that they're all trapped in really is opened up and becomes this three-dimensional space where people are actually in there. It's not just one over-the-shoulder shot to another over-the-shoulder shot to another over-the-shoulder shot to get fucking dialogue scenes. Everybody's in this fucking room at all fucking times. You can tell where they are most of the time unless Tarantino doesn't want you to know that. And uh, on top of that, there's some gorgeous shots that are just of people's faces right Mm -hmm. and and like being that wide and that big that big of a frame in the middle of someone's face right up on sam jackson's fucking face is is, as tight as you're gonna fucking get it is kind of astounding like as a visual statement right like like it's playing around with the idea that like landscapes uh in cinematography are not just these beautiful gorgeous vistas it's uh, you know, the actors mm-hmm. in interacting in the space that they're in. It's literally the landscape of the actor's face as they're right in front of the camera, staring it down at gunpoint. Right? And another angle is what people yeah. don't realize is so fucking difficult is 70 millimeter cameras are fucking atrociously loud. Yes. And to have a majority dialogue-driven movie, that's why they don't do them. Because those things are so goddamn loud that if you put those in a room with other people, you're going to hear that fucking camera roll. Well, but I'll also say, right, like, uh, the other benefit of, of using 70 millimeters is just that, uh, you know, widescreen formats were developed mostly as a reason to get audiences to come back into the theater. Mm-hmm. It was the way in the 50s, even though this is a total total fabricated myth-making, like Hollywood was never against television. They were always trying to figure out how they could make money using television. Um, and, and they didn't really view the loss of audiences uh, as, as kind of negatively as uh, we think they did. Right. But, but one of the th- ways that they did try to differentiate their product was the development of these fucking widescreen processes. Because where the fuck else were you going to see a, a film that was uh, as big as the side of a, a, a fucking uh, freight train, yeah. right? Uh, where were you going to see that? Not at your house where the average TV set in the 1950s was roughly uh, 15 inches or so, uh, if that, right? If that, yeah. Um, and, and so... Uh, they really were playing around with these widescreen formats, and and a lot of stuff came out in widescreen. Right, uh, Fox was putting out stuff in uh, CinemaScope that earlier would have probably just been released in fucking Academy ratio. Right, mm-hmm. like uh, like the Marilyn Monroe film How to Marry a Millionaire. The 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 most striking widescreen shots in that entire film are simply of Marilyn Monroe sitting on a fucking chase lounge. <laughs> 
right? Like spread out across the entirety of the 70 millimeter frame. It has nothing to do with landscapes or any of that shit. It's literally just like, here is Monroe, the star laid out in front of you in her entirety mm-hmm. without having, and you can be very close to that star, that image in that entirety without having to cut off her knee. And it doesn't right? look like garbage. And it doesn't look like garbage. It's this gorgeous image, right? And uh, I don't know, man. I, I fucking thought that the cinematography in this movie and the choice to shoot it in 70 millimeter was like pretty spot on, actually. Uh, the story of how Richardson stumbled upon these uh, ultra Panavision lenses is, is is really kind of amazing. It's like because um, you because because for people out there that don't know, it's like they're like there are very few of these cameras and very few of these lenses even around. So when they well, say they it's just like sets. these are the like these are the cameras, these are the lenses that shit like it's a mad 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 world and ben hur were literally fucking shot with oh these are the same exact lenses as ben hur that's fu- i mean think about the same that, ones people. uh not and, like and, <laughs> and the same glass too they yeah. were afraid constantly they had to have like temperature controlled uh like carrying cases for the equipment so that they could change out lenses and not have them freeze up or have to thaw them out so that it didn't have to expand and contract and possibly damage the glass because they didn't recut glass for this fucking. And here's a big thing. I heard Tim Roth interview said there was only as from when he was there, there was really one time where they had to have like, you know, big camera snafu stuff. Other than that, fucking flawless. Cause these things were like, these were things were built like fucking German tanks, man. Yeah, they just did not fucking go down. They were like, there was one time where we had problems with the cameras. Other than that, everything was just flawless. And that's exactly. I mean, for for fucking shit that's that old, astounding. And to make and to still have something that looks this good and is that crisp, is that clear, uh, is is kind of astounding. So let's uh, let's switch gears here shortly, okay. uh, just for a short moment, because we will talk about this film again when we see the DCP. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you guys, or what did you think about this fucking, these guys' uh, performance here? Everybody's great. Like, yeah. Everybody uh, is really delivering an A-plus performance here. I mean, the only thing uh-huh. and I, that I'm going to, I'm going to nail that a little bit. And, uh-huh. I, and I, it's not horrible. Uh-huh. But Kurt Russell is just doing John Wayne. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like that's exactly what they wanted. Oh, well, and, and, you know, Kurt Russell's the biggest fucking John Wayne fan you're ever going to fucking meet. Yeah. So, I well, like. And, and knowing that, and knowing that Tarantino saw, like, wrote this role for him. Yeah. And, and knows that Kurt Russell loves John Wayne. So, right? like, it is. <laughs> uh, and, and I will say, strikingly different from his turn in Bone, Bone Tomahawk. Mm-hmm. Uh, which which I'll review on an or an, on a later show uh, probably probably in a couple uh, week or next week when we do uh, the, kind of the Oscar bait roundup the right. the Carol and the and the Revenant stuff um, I gotta say man this is yet another fucking thing that Walton Goggins walks the fuck away with I I love that fucking guy so much uh, he is eminently uh, watchable uh, I I I just think like. Every time he's on screen, like that's the guy I'm drawn to. I have to, I have to fucking watch this guy. He's got a charisma about him uh, that is insane. It's off the charts. It's like uh, for me, I like there are two guys, right? It's him and Garrett Dillahunt. Like those two motherfuckers, <laughs> uh, just by their very existence on the screen, 
make anything uh, much more watchable just just by their existence as a character, no matter what capacity or how big or small the role. But I, I think he stands right up there with Samuel L. Jackson and fucking chews up some scenery right with Samuel L. Jackson. And uh, it's kind of fucking astounding to watch, honestly. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh-huh. I was afraid. I was afraid about Walton Goggins because I'll be honest with you, Walton Goggins hit or miss with me. Sometimes yeah. I like him, sometimes I don't. Um, I mean, I liked him in The Shield and stuff because he was that kind of smarmy motherfucker. Um, Justified? Just, I never really watched Justified, so I mean, I'll take your word. Um, but then there are a couple things where every now and then it's just like, ah, eh, it's a little bit lacking. And I don't blame him for this, but like his role in Django is just like completely wasted. Uh, well, it's, but I think it's that's a the, that's very the, small role. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the part. I'm not blaming him for that. Um, Sons of Anarchy he's great in. But this this movie, this is the best I've ever fucking seen that guy. And mm-hmm. he, he fucking, I was, when, when, when it was first announced, I was just like, I don't know how I feel about this, man. He was like, he was fair in the other Tarantino thing that he was in. I don't know if he's going to be used enough for this. And you're right. Walks away with this damn thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, he, he's the co-lead, yeah. right? Like, like that's the, that's what, like this movie gets sold as like, we're going to watch Kurt Russell and, Sam, and Jackson. Uh, Sam Jackson, but it's really Sam Jackson and Walton Goggins. Yeah. That's who this movie is really about. If, if there is a lead, but those are like, those are the two mains. I think. Yeah. But I, I think he, he runs away with this thing. Like, like I was, I was not even coming close to imagining that he would. Mm-hmm. Cause when I saw a couple things earlier, like even in the trailer and it's sparse, the tra- him in the trailer is very sparse. Right. You wouldn't know that he was one of the super leads in this, you know, he'd have a part, but maybe not as big a part as he does. Right. And I was just like, Oh gosh, is he really going to do this? And like at first, like when I first see him on the road and stuff, by the time he's in that fucking carriage, I'm on fucking board because yeah. he is just like, he gets into it. And like he's, and he has some of the best fucking lines of the movie. He really does. He has so many good lines in that thing. Mm-hmm. And just the way that his character weaves back and forth from what he's doing. Cause he's a, he's a big brash talker, but at the same time you feel that there's a little bit of cowardice in there too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great character and a great performance of a great character. I think. And, and I have to give a huge fucking shout out to somebody who I think is, I mean, she's getting a little bit of buzz, mm-hmm. but she's underrated as far as this movie is concerned. Fucking Jennifer Jason Lee is amazing. Yeah. Like, like her character is pretty thankless, I think, although it's really well written and, and actually has a really interesting character arc. Um, but, uh, like I've been a big fan of Jennifer Jason Lee for quite some time. Uh, I mean, like, you know, I've, I've loved her in, uh, you know, road to perdition mm-hmm. and, uh, fucking, uh, what was the Cronenberg movie, uh, existence that she was in. She was in the machinist. Existence right, was underrated. People go fucking watch that movie. It existence was like, that was great. a fucking year when the matrix came out and, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, and it got overshadowed, but existence yeah. was Cronenberg remaking Videodrome but hey, yeah. for, for digital video games. Yeah. Right. Um, it was him redoing his own thing, but Jennifer Jason Lee's uh, like consistently been amazing, and uh, I, I really hope that like this movie does a little bit for her career what it kind of did for uh, Travolta, where it kind of reestablished him a little bit mm-hmm. because she's been doing consistently great work, uh, but it's been in much smaller movies than. Uh, than this, and it's so uh, nice to see somebody who's willing to, and I mean this in the most respectful way, ugly it up. 
to really well, just be like bashed to hell and just like it's not a glamorous role by any means. This is a character who's teeth are fucking scenes, rotten out. And, well, I mean, they get knocked out. Well, that too. <laughs> uh, like straight up knocked out. Uh, but but like just to see her also like get full on Tarantino bloodied up, right? Like like there are only two filmmakers I, I feel like who use uh, blood in the same way as as both like this shocking horrific element and uh, kind of comic relief mm-hmm. and it's Tarantino and Sam Raimi and yeah. and and she definitely has some scenes in this that are a little more Raimi than Tarantino uh, <laughs> and uh, I just think she's fucking amazing and uh, it's a goddamn shame that uh, I haven't seen her like name kicking around the awards stuff because uh, she's really amazing in this movie sadly I think people are going to think it's too small of a role yeah, I think so too. Uh, but but I I mean, without her, this movie doesn't uh, work. That's true. Right? Like like not even just like as literally, a character, but but like not even just that. But I think like even just her character's arc, without the trajectory of what her character does and is and turns out to be and how it develops, like the movie doesn't work. Yeah, and 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 I'll say. Um, We'll we'll get into it a little bit more next week. I get or next episode rather. I say next week, but next episode. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. Um. He he talked with uh, Jennifer Lawrence about doing this part, which yeah. I'm kind of glad that she didn't. Me too. I mean, and and, and I think I'm I hit think or miss with her. Lee's a much better actress. I'm hit or miss with her, but I I and, could and not see we'll her in this role. On her second episode this week, uh, much as I like Jennifer Lawrence, uh, she does not play over thirty. <laughs> what was that? I saw some article on the thing. I don't know if you linked or somebody else was. It's just like Jennifer uh Jennifer Lawrence will uh uh can no longer play, you know, anyone that's under 40 or over 40 or something like that. I don't remember what. Anyway, anyway. We'll we'll talk about that next uh, next episode. Yes, this. we'll talk about that. But um no, I mean I was thoroughly I thoroughly enjoyed this. Like I said, I've seen it twice at this point. I think I I saw it then like saw it again to well, I saw it on New Year's Eve actually. So I brought in the new year watching this movie. I the the intermission happened and it was 12:25. <laughs> so I literally cr- crossed over into 2016, uh you know, I, my last movie and first movie of 2016 of 2015 and 2016 uh was a Tarantino movie. Right. And on. I got to say uh glad glad that's how I spent it. So <laughs> Right on. Uh, so, I, so I think this is two very glowing reviews for the movie in general. Uh, if you got the chance to see it in 70 millimeter, holy shit, you uh, experienced something. Yeah. Because um, I doubt that this will be an ongoing thing. I, I mean, I, I hope that the Weinsteins use their new investment in 100 theaters uh, throughout the U.S. to kind of keep 70 millimeter films uh, coming out theatrically, but uh, we'll see how that goes. I here's um, the thing: I'll say this. Uh-huh. I think, and we'll talk about this, and we'll kind of wrap up this show. Um, I, I think that this might be a good. Uh, I would hope uh-huh. harbinger for the idea, maybe not all at once, of course, that. This can still be a thing, even, you know, 70 millimeter. I mean, it's the reason that, you know, like you said, it was the reason that color was was brought into cinema. It was the reason widescreen was brought into cinema. It's the reason 3D was brought into cinema and then dropped and then brought back again uh, was to right. get asses in seats. And yep. the 70 millimeter screening fucking did that shit. It got people out there. It got people to see it. And I'm seeing more and more movies being shot on film 
than I, in the in the last year actually than I've seen in quite some time. We're going to talk about a, a movie next week, The Big Short, which was fucking shot in film. And God Almighty, can you tell? Uh, mm-hmm. We'll talk about some of the cinematography with that <laughs> on, on the next show. Well, I think but, I think the main difference that we'll that we'll probably end up talking about is is The Big Short makes some very interesting cinematogra- cinematographic choices. Uh, based on its kind of material, right? And, and you that, of which that you could not do with digital, or at least you wouldn't do as interestingly. I don't think, right? Um, but I mean, like that. Um, I believe the Danish Girl was was also a film, uh, a f- film shot. So you're seeing more and more and more of this, and I think it's because of the the investment that was made here, the investment that was made uh, by filmmakers, uh, Tarantino and Nolan and a handful of others. Uh, that really you're kind of still keeping the the, the fires burning. Um, I, I I hope something like this goes along. I hope something comes of this, and this just isn't necessarily a one off per se. But we can get maybe there's each theater is like an IMAX now that where you have like one big proper thing that can show the spectacular event movie of some sort. I don't know. Yeah, just we'll a, see. Just a thought. But uh, yeah, so two glowing recommendations. I can't believe we did we did uh, we did a pretty long review there and didn't have any fucking spoilers. I don't think so. No, that's pretty goddamn I don't, good. I don't even want to talk about the plot of that movie. No, I, I I think you need to watch it. I think you just need to enjoy it. And uh, and and if you're the a Tarantino thing fan, I, will I think say, you will enjoy uh, it. Say about it in that regard is uh, like after the intermission, uh, much as I would have uh, would have expected, uh, you come back and it is a fucking bloodbath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and lead I, into the intermission is maybe the most powerful fucking thing I've ever seen. It's it's uh, like masterful, actually. Uh, uh, this will be a spoiler that I tell you, but it, it's basically Sam Jackson telling uh, this Confederate general played by um, uh, Bruce Dern uh, that his son died because he came seeking a bounty on uh, his black head, and he uh, marched him naked through the snow, and then uh, as he was begging for a blanket, he made him suck his black dick. And uh, then he fucking shoots the fuck out of the general, and then boom. Uh, but here's the great part, too. God damn, that's such Here, a good lead-in, man. But yeah, and here's the thing, too, though. At the same time, did that happen? That's what, oh, I, always, I, that's what I always love, too. It's I think like, it fucking did. I'm going to err on the side of, yeah, that fucking happened. I, I almost... Uh, that I, shit is, I like it being ambiguous, being like, hey, maybe well, he like said it, it maybe he didn't. I don't know. I also really like uh, to imagine that that shit happened. <laughs> For real. Well, that's that's one way to get a guy to go for his gun. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Lord knows we saw it. Uh, uh, so yeah, that's it, man. So two uh, two two movies, two reviews, two uh, you know pretty glowing recommendations there. I'd say. Oh damn, it's good. All right, so that is it, everybody. Uh, join us. Um, I think we'll put out the next one tomorrow. Yeah. And so we'll pop this one out tonight, late on Wednesday, and then uh, next one will come right up. So, uh, you know, enjoy the new stuff. we got lots of things coming up here and uh, many other things happening and all that kind of jazz. In case you don't listen to the next episode, uh, Matt, where can they find more of your work on the internet, sir? You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Boyd underscore Smith. And you can also uh, follow us on uh, the tweets at the Film Find at Adam Portress and listen to my other podcast, Hero Movie Podcast at HeroMoviePodcast.com. This week we review Sam Raimi's Darkman from 1990. What happens when you can't do The Shadow or The Batman? You could do, do Darkman. And um, that movie may not be as good as you remember as a kid. <laughs> 
It might be better. It might be better. It might be worse. Uh, but we, I, I think it's. I actually a, think that movie is better than when I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Um, it's a it's a fucking good episode. We have a lot of fun with it, and uh, it's it's good stuff. So uh, here, movie podcast. Here, moviepodcast.com. Uh, you guys are going to be the first to hear it. Next week, we're going to be doing, um, I totally just forgot. I I queue it up, and I'm just like, here we go, man. Going to knock this one out of the park. And, no, we're doing Constantine next week. That's why I finally figured it out. <laughs> uh, so join us back here tomorrow, everybody, when we talk about The Big Short and Joy and some other new releases. So uh, until then, for Matt Smith, I'm Adam Portress. Take it easy. Ah, take it easy. I fucking muted myself before. <laughs> that's that's real garbage. <laughs> Professional quality. You know, I'm not editing this shit. See you next. See you tomorrow. Opposition will come your way, but the hotter the battle you see, it's the sweeter the victory. Now you can get it if you really want. You can get it if you really want. You can get it if you really want. But you must try, try and try, try and try. You'll succeed at last You can get it if you really want You can get it if you really want You can get it if you really want But you must try Try and try, try and try You'll succeed at That's that show. Boom. Boom. Knocking it out of the park, as always. Yeah, I, I can't. Um, I can't believe how much I like that movie. I can't wait to see it in the uh, the other one. Just, I don't know. Like, part of me is like, I can't wait to see it in DCP. But at the same time, I, I just, I hope I'm not like motherfucker. Why did you edit this little bit? Or why is it this structure like this kind of thing? Well, I don't know. we'll see. But uh, man, oh man, if you did not, let me tell you. <laughs> so fucking um, Christmas Eve, or you know, Christmas Day rather, excuse me. Uh-huh. Christmas Day, going to see that, and like I know, like I knew ahead of time because I plan. I'm a planner. Um, that the intermission is 12 minutes. I know that. Uh-huh. And so I've got my shit ready, and we got there. Oh, oh, fuck me! I didn't tell the story. Here comes the story, Matt. We got to hear this. We got You got to hear the story. I was All gonna. Right. I'll talk about. The, I'll talk about that other thing, and then I'll come back to the the story. But remind me about the story. Um, right. So I go like we didn't get drinks or anything ahead of time because we were like at the front of the line. I'll get to the front of the line in just a moment. But so I was just like, hey man, you want me to go get you? It's kind of a half birthday present to my brother because his birthday's like on the thirtieth. So I was like, hey, I'll take you out to see Hayley. So I'm like, I'll, I'll go and get some. I'll, I'll go and get drinks uh, during the intermission. I barely goddamn made it. <laughs> Because the people in the fucking slow ass line are just like, uh, 
getting their shit. And of course, it's fucking Christmas Day, so Star Wars, for Christ's sakes. So there's right. eight billion goddamn people in there. And I'm trying, and like, I bring it, like, because I was like, I was thinking, I'm like, okay, I'll go get the drinks, I'll give them the drinks, and I'll take a quick piss and I'll run back, and then we'll be, hell no. I walked in that thing, I walked up to the seats, handed him his drink, I got mine, put it in the thing, and the music's music going starts. as I'm yep. walking. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. So thank God I've had a lot of training with all the fucking Lord of the Rings movies I've seen. <laughs> so this isn't that long, but man, oh man, I was just like, son of a bitch. But let's talk about why we didn't get drinks uh, or anything to begin with. So we get there, um, we know it's going to be big, right? Uh-huh. Opening day, uh, you know, was 7.30-ish screening uh-huh. at uh, Regal. This is the only theater within probably 100 miles, maybe, uh, that's that's showing this thing. So right. people are going. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we get there about an hour and a half ahead of time. And uh, we're the first people there. So we get our programs and stuff. I actually go and take the programs out to the car because I don't want to fuck them up or nothing. And um, so we go in. We're standing there in line. And so the line's starting to form. It's starting to form. They put us off to the side and everything's starting to form. And then we see these old people come up, right? And there's these benches that are kind of up against the wall that are further beyond where we're standing, right? Mm-hmm. So these old people start sitting there. And then, you know, we can see it's starting to get closer and closer to time to start letting us in, right? And we can see them eyeballing shit. They're looking at things. They're like, what the fuck is, what's, what's going on here? So my brother is, you know, we portresses. We don't fucking fuck around. We just don't. <laughs> so he just goes, hey, by the way, line's back here. So uh, you sitting up there, you just kind of jumping up in front of everybody. Not cool. How about you go, you know, just get back there. Mm-hmm. This little lady fucking comes up to us. She's probably 40s, 40s, late 40s-ish. Comes up. Gets in our faces. And when I say in our faces, I mean in our faces, right? And just goes, they are 80 years old and they cannot be standing in line. And I'm just like, and we we were like, why the hell hell did you come here then? You're here on Christmas fucking day. Right. It's seven Uh o'clock. Why the fuck are you here right now then? But she just got up in our face. We're like, we don't care. I like, it doesn't, it's like, they have to, they can't go up steps really well. And I'm like, what the fuck's that got to do with us? Get the fuck back in line. She's like, my kids are back there. I'm like, I don't give a fuck where your kids are. I was like, good. When your kids go over, they can get in line with them. She gets up in our fucking face. Starts uh-huh. saying shit. I can't remember half of it now because it's been fucking two weeks. <laughs> she gets up, a little goddamn fucking spittle shit comes out and hits me in the fucking chest. And I go, you just spit on me, you you asshole. <laughs> Got in my face. I told her to, you know, she said, kiss our ass. I said something along the lines of, like, I would, but it's too goddamn fucking ugly. Get the fuck out of my face. Um, so she started screaming at us. A cop showed up. Luckily, uh-huh. nothing went down there. Uh, but then she kind of kept coming back. She kind of kept like fucking eyeballing us, kind of giving us the fucking eye and shit, right? Right. And she starts walking back to us. And I'm like, you just keep fucking whistling Dixie someplace else, lady. She kept fucking walking up, but she kept like fucking eyeballing us all the time. As the movie lets out, oh, okay, so we go, so they they go in, they fucking they get ahead of time. I look at the manager. He's this hapless fuck who I've fucking talk shit to a fucking thousand times because the goddamn theater doesn't know the difference between a 185 moving and a 235 moving which fucking theater to put the right goddamn thing into that's a whole right. other category but he's just he kind of gave the most impotent kind of like fucking what do you do kind of things i'm like seriously man you're gonna fucking let this shit happen so they're going up the stairs and here's the thing they can't climb stairs so what do you do you have them fucking climb the goddamn stairs to get into the middle of the fucking theater go fuck yourself lady i was like there's a whole goddamn handicap row go fucking sit on it 
You don't have to climb any fucking steps. You sit right the fuck there and you watch the movie and shut your mouth. But no. And so they're trying to climb up these fucking steps. And of course, as early as they go in, because they do do go in early, they're climbing up these fucking steps and they're like struggling as shit to get up them. I do not feel sorry for them, mind you. They're struggling to get up the fucking stairs. And we just kind of like skip around and go to the right place to sit down. I, I We didn't think about it at the time. But what uh-huh. I should have done is climbed exactly to the road that they were going to and sit right in the middle where they would have fucking sat and just been like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> we were like, but we, we had a road that we wanted to go to because it's, you know, extra wide. So we wanted to be actually closer than normal. Right. Um, but man, oh man. So as the movie lets out, her husband decides to start getting fucking balls. We're watching the credits as we're off to want to do. Right. Credits are rolling. Lights go up. People are filing out and everything. Her fucking husband is sitting down there. Now, we're not, you know, how the kind of normal little first break will be. And there's like a wall or a bar usually. So we're behind that kind of first break row. Her husband is kind of sitting down there like pointing at us. Just like, just pointing. Like Uh fucking calling you out and shit. (laughs) My brother was like, why don't you get the fuck on up here and do something, bitch? Yeah, just fucking fucking stand there, you little fucking piece of shit. And we got movie ushers going, dude, you gotta, you guys got to be cool about stuff. And I'm like, fuck these motherfuckers. I am not being cool. We just saw a movie about motherfuckers murdering each other. I'm ready to murder a motherfucker. So let's fucking go. <laughs> so we're ta- he's talking shit. He finally leaves. Credits go up. We leave. They're kind of starting to fall out the stuff that we do. We start talking some shit behind them as we leave out. And then, of course, her husband starts following me out in my car. I'm just like, you fucking wait. Let's just fucking roll right now. I'm ready to fucking throw down. And here's the thing. My brother is a good old boy. So he's got a motherfucking knife on him ready to motherfucking roll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that the drop of a goddamn hat. Luckily, because he followed me right out. He was right behind me as we were leaving. I'm just like, let's just fucking do this shit. I turned around. He was fucking stone cold gone. But <sighs> that was my hateful eight experience. <laughs> Well, it sounds thrilling. It was. It was a. It was a thrill and a half. You'd have loved it, I because I know you. <laughs> I, I would have been infuriated. You. You would have been incensed. You may. You may have even been worse than we were, <laughs> and we were pretty bad. But uh, so, uh, lesson here for you, kids: don't fuck around with Adam while he's at the movie theaters. He's gonna fuck you in the face. Boom. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's record the next show. All right. Let's do it.